Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. Here at Knocking Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their Race for Autism, Race to Be Drug Free, and Race to End the Stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. It's knocking doors down. Jason here with you. I'm Mikey. Carlos Vieira on this episode, and it's uh, my favorite chapter from the book, Mikey, Racing, How It Saved My Life. I want to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> we're also going to be joined by his lovely wife, Asia, which was really great to have her in because I think we're going to get out of that as how important uh, his solid relationship with her in their marriage has mm-hmm. meant so much to him and his growth in maintaining his sobriety along with his racing and how Asia is such an integral part of the 5150 brand, the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Uh, it's been a amazing support for knocking doors down on the podcast mm-hmm. and KDD media company. So that's one of the big takeaways that I got out of this episode that I think would be insightful for people. What about yourself? What I got from it was, well, I got a lot from it, but one of the main things was, is don't fucking quit. Don't yeah. stop. Don't give up. You'll hear it yourself. But I mean, you can go through the gnarliest of times, but just keep pushing, keep pushing, get it. And you will just feel that much more accomplished when you finally achieve it. Yeah. Cause he talks a lot about that in his racing. Cause mm-hmm. it didn't go smooth to start no, with no, at no. all. Definitely bumpy. No pun so intended. You, you'll yeah. hear about that in here. So uh, keep it that way. You know, it's almost that humbling experience. And also I think another important thing is it relates to those that are entering into sobriety or maintaining your sobriety is that sometimes you have to go against the grain of what people that even though they support and love you, you might have to find your own path of what helps continually keep you sober and living a purposeful life. And Mm -hmm. there's a really great part that comes out of that with this. So definitely some really great insightful stuff. It's a fun episode. And, uh, you know, it's like four people just hanging out if you were watching us sitting out by the grill for the barbecue. So uh, just a reminder, the Carlos Vieira Foundation right now, if you go to carlosvierafoundation.org, if you're like Mikey myself and you're a fan of the 5150 Energy Drink, yes, sir. which uh, production has been halted, but you can get them now. And all the proceeds benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. They have been at a discounted price as production stopped on the energy drink. So mm-hmm. Carlos Vieira Foundation foundation.org click the shop link and you can get them that way and uh, have them shipped to you wherever you are or if you do live in the central valley of california there are some options for a curbside pickup a non-contact that uh, you can do as well so all those details there again at carlos vieira foundation.org Carlos Vieira and the lovely Miss Asia here as well. How are you folks today? What's up, people? What's going on? I am good. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, Mikey, like we were talking about before concerning Carlos uh, Vieira's book, Knocking Doors Down, that we were going to discuss with you. Here we want to pull out what is my favorite chapter racing and how it's cars race cars oh yeah cars that go fast because it's first that, you're last that's how that was <laughs> our, our first conversation was about that the first time i met you when i was still working in radio was was about that what, what I, year was that well wait hold on my math's good carry the two so i don't know was that uh, 2007 2008 something like that yeah that'll be right there when i started racing yeah 2007 yeah. that's when i, I graduated was, high school i think it was two shut th- up man <laughs> shut up dick i think it was <laughs> i think it was 2008 because my son wasn't born yet when i first met All you right, he was okay. on the way so that sounds about right but uh, but i had a year of racing underneath my belt yeah yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing that you highlight in your in your book and don't really dig into was uh you know, people that get into auto racing, I was around it a lot. My dad did it, my brother, the whole thing. But that's not the case in your story at all. There was right. no history of auto racing. It was, we're sweet potato farmers. And first time I was in a race car was the age of 35. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. Damn, that's crazy. 
Yeah, but yeah, we went racing when we were younger. Though. Yeah, yeah. We raced, raced a little bit, right? Sure. On the streets, the streets of Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, something I decided to do um, because I needed change. I needed a big change in my life. And yeah. um, 13 years of drug addiction, I I've, uh, I was ready for something different, something that uh, something out of out of the ordinary, something that I didn't try before. Um, you know, it was against what my family wanted me to do, or. It's just something I needed to do, yeah. and uh, decided to uh, just show up at a race uh, at a, a place in Modesto, a race shop in Modesto, and uh, asked the gentleman there uh, how to how uh, how do I start racing? And he asked me what kind of racing. I said NASCAR, and here I am. Now, were you a little kid that like you know most of us little little boys are, and girls too that with, the, with the, like the Hot Wheels and you know posters. racing car posters? I, I had po- posters of race cars on my wall. So Porsches, Lamborghinis, Ferraris vectors yeah um porsche was the most uh realistic uh goal i guess right? yeah so um but yeah. you talk and highlight in the book you know of course coming from you know very hard-working family uh, you know when you were a little kid the family was not well off av thomas isn't what it is today then you know um but you m- much like many of us i remember working uh, for our neighbors that had a apricot orchard every summer and we would dry the apricots and the whole thing so you started pretty early with the family and saving up the dough with something in yeah, mind. Yeah, so yeah, so this would have been yeah. Shoot, I was fifteen and a half years old. Uh, the company was small, just downtown Livingston. I'm not sure if you've been there before, Mikey, or not. I've been by it. Yeah, yeah, just a little tiny little place. So we were, you know, it's all five of us: my brother, my sister, myself, and my parents were were working there every day. Of course, we had you know some workers as well, but uh, we would go in there every day. And uh, I moved to Livingston at the age of five, and um, my dad said, if you ever want a car, you're going to have to save, save for it yourself. Um, he believed in you have to work for what you, you know, for what you want. And so, um, so yeah, as soon as I can pick up a broom and start sweeping or, or stacking boxes, you know, you ever have a, you know, you ever see a sweeper tail box, a little 40 pound cars, right? Yeah. You know, I was there stacking them up and, uh, I mean, no matter if I was sick or not, I remember many times my, my parents would, uh, take me, take me to the packing shed sick and just you know if i couldn't work i would just be there sitting there just because there was no money for babysitters there was you know they this is how it was so so yeah we started with nothing and uh the company was still struggling or still growing um at the time but i saved uh the age of uh, 15 and a half i had uh 8500 bucks and what did we do with that eighty five hundred bucks? So I'm still jealous of. It wasn't so, just a car. So I, I I searched for the oldest Porsche that I can find, or, or the, the least expensive or oldest, whatever. So it was a 1971 911T. Yeah. Um, and T stands for touring, not turbo. <laughs> I would I have could, guessed I turbo. Could, I don't know. I could yeah. not afford a turbo back then. Um, but Street yeah, six. It was uh yeah yeah six yeah six carbur. It's actually six back then. It was six carburetors. You know, it was. It's a it's a really neat setup because um, it's kind of how because it's the platform is based off the Volkswagen one, but that's how they make it more souped up. Yeah, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a driver, not a not a, not a <laughs> I was motorhead. Say, this shit is Greek to me. I don't know anything about cars. I don't know what you guys are talking but, about. But uh, I know it has six car. Like you can individually set each carburetor. Sure, um, there's six of them. Anyway, so so yeah, I had eighty five hundred bucks. I uh, searched around for. A least the most least expensive Porsche I could find. Um, I knew it was going to be what I wanted, right? I wanted something a slant nose, flared fenders, big whale tail. Oh, I mean, yeah. something badass. But uh, it was, you know, it is what it is. It was, uh, it was an orange car. I, it was actually a local gentleman that uh, that had it in his garage. But man, it was original. It was, it was, it was clean. You know, it might be an orange. It didn't have no flared fenders, and it has some. I think it probably had the same wheels and tires. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty basic. But um, but man, it was my first car, and it being a Porsche was was totally awesome. How did you convince him with eighty five hundred bucks to sell you a nineteen seventy one? I smiled and, and play that play the little you know. Hey, I'm a poor little kid. Please help me. It's my dream. Make my did dreams come true. Did you bring your piggy true. bank? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just telling. I'm gonna I, hit it with the hammer now. But I, I am. He wanted more money for it. I, I can't remember what he asked. I was gonna, for, just going to say you don't remember how much he was originally no, asking. No, I, I don't. I don't. But uh, but I do know that uh, he looked at me and said, "Okay, you know, I'll take it." And I think he, I think he said something about you know, just please take care of it. Oh you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. You know, one of those things like that. That was his baby, and yeah. maybe uh, I'm not sure if he was the first owner or not the first <laughs> owner. Um, but it was definitely clean. And um, 
So I, 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 before I bought it, Ashley needed a test drive it. So I asked one of my, uh, the manager, the manager of the packing shed at the time, um, to test drive it for me because I couldn't drive, couldn't drive uh, manual. Right, <laughs> so what did shift you, on the floor? You know, was a was a I forget it. Were they five speeds of seventy one uh, or was it a four? It, it was, no, it was five speed. It was a five? Yeah, five speed, five speed. So didn't have no experience driving manual. Um, had some experience, of course, with with you know. I started probably driving a couple of years before that. My dad's old uh, station wagon, <laughs> um, but uh, no experience with manual. So my my manager drove it. Said it was hey, it's good. Um, so yeah, gave him the 8,500 bucks and then I owned the car and had to learn how to drive, uh, you know, stick. So yeah. who taught you stick? Was it that same man? Yeah, the same guy. Yeah. Same guy. I'm not sure how long it took, took or not. I don't remember. But, uh, before you know it, man, I'm, I'm having a blast. <laughs> yeah. So when did the mullet come into play? Did oh you my God. <laughs> that <laughs> mullet, man. I mean, look hey, at that thing. Back then it, it worked, man. It worked. I, you know, hey, I, I, my brother looked like Billy Ray Cyrus, so I totally get it. Yeah. Back then it was funny stuff, but, um, but yeah, we, we, um, once, once I got it, I, I, uh, slowly started converting it to what I wanted it to look like. Right. So painted it midnight blue, um, beautiful color, um, flared the fenders, put the tail on, bought some nice rims for it. Um, just made it, just made it something made it what I always wanted it to be as best as I could, you know? And, and I slowly did that as I, you know, as I made money, you know, so it wasn't, well, it didn't happen overnight. Of course the, when I bought it, took all my money away. But as the years go by and I was saving, I would slowly do something. I started getting more, I started getting more into the, um, I wanted to get into a uh, contest. I wanted a uh, competition. Yeah. And so one of the things that I had passion for back then was um, car stereos. You know, so I, I started building my own car, you know, st uh, speaker boxes and, and doing my own system and uh i got pretty good at it you know mm -hmm. back then you know, i started off buying my radio you know my stereo stuff from like radio shack right or, yeah, right. or uh then i then i graduated to uh circuit city i know you're not too young for circuit city i remember circuit city i do uh, remember that yeah. it's a gym now I, <laughs> I, I go to that one but yeah i know what you're talking about. so uh and i you know i would buy what i could afford at the time and just started building my own stuff wiring my own stuff building my own boxes and uh Got pretty good at it. I started entering different uh, stereo contests. Um, uh, there was one back then. It was very pop. Benny, Benny's, Benny's Car Show or something like that. But uh, I used to enter them, and I started winning and, and uh, just got really good at it. And then, um, yeah, I did that for actually mostly through my, my school years. And then I uh, took off to college and uh took the car with me to college and have some black had a couple of great years in, uh, <laughs> in in the la area oh shit my wife's here so we're gonna pass that and move on to the next <laughs> no, 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 no. we'll skip it. move we'll forward we don't need to get into that part so you've at this point you know you got you got your dream car you've done all the tricked out things with it um got the mullet Got the mullet. Yeah, you guys love the mullet, yeah, for, don't well, you? Well, first you got to save- I think I had an earring too back then. I <laughs> <laughs> well, here's how things go. First you save the money, then you get the car, then you get the mullet, then you get the babe. That's yeah. how it all falls, falls in line. <laughs> then you get the khakis. <laughs> then you get the khakis. <laughs> uh, so, but you weren't done with the car yet at that point because, of course, the, the stereo stuff, But uh, and there's a video of it. We're going to get it up there on our Facebook page. Where you did some other things to a Porsche that hadn't really. When you think of a Porsche, this is not the area you would take a Porsche. Yeah. So, um, so after college, I came back, came back, and um, I mean, I, I pretty much took the Porsche where where I could. You know, I mean, it was beautiful the way it was, and I had some. The stereo was awesome and all that, but I, I wanted to continue doing competitions, and uh, the stereo stuff. I kind of did everything I possibly could there. So I started hanging out uh, when I once I got back home. Livingston, there's, there's uh, a lot of people in, in you know a lot of Hispanics and they were yeah. in the lowrider the lowrider scene. Yeah. So a lot of my friends uh, started getting into into the car shows, the lowrider uh, low car shows, and so um, so I joined in. Um, joined in. There is a a car club. I can't remember the name of the car club now, but uh, I joined their car club and just slowly converted my car more into the lowrider scene and. Bought me some spoke wheels, some triple gold Daytons, and uh, yeah, yeah. started started gold plating stuff. I started off. I mean, I, as I made money, I would gold plate, you know, the fuel cap or, or gold plate the trim, and then I actually started gold plating my pieces of my motor too. Like, you know, you open up the yeah. the, the, the the trunk and you have gold plated. <laughs> 
I wonder if the, I wonder if the old owner uh, drove by it ever and like this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 I slammed it. Go triple gold Danes. I'll go play this stuff. And I started entering um, contests and I started winning. I mean, it was you it, had that hydro. I, I had, but I had like it was all decked out. Like I said, the stereo. But by then, I was so good at my stereo stuff. Like when you open up the the uh, the front the trunk. Open the trunk. I had all my speakers all laid out with go, with with glass, uh, plexiglass covers all over it. Nice. And it's all you know, hit a switch and the light all lit up. Mm-hmm. And I had one of the things that was pretty unique. I had a uh, an ice chest where actually in the front you actually open up a lid and there'd be a whole bunch of uh, drinks in there, beer or whatever you want to put <laughs> in or sodas, I guess. But um, so it was people really you know really liked it. Yeah. These car shows, right? You open it up and they all kind of dig it. But so so anyways, I did that uh, did that for a while and then. Um, and then a couple, my friends just had this crazy idea about putting hydraulics in my car. And I was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is gonna, <laughs> yeah, chop into my car and put hydraulics in it. But you know what? I was like, you know what? Screw it. I think that was like the next, the next step, right? You know, um, so I, I let them do it. They, um, one day in my garage, they brought out the grinders and the cutters and, and welders and, and they just went at it. And I just sat back and just watched these guys just tear up my car. Um, what was going through your head when that was happening? Oh man, I know. I, I, to me, I was always somebody that always wanted to continue, you know, continue to build and grow and this and that. So this was like to me, I was gonna be the first ever Porsche with hydraulics, right? You know, so to me, it was like, oh, screw it, let's do it. I was just concerned that I was gonna lose, you know, uh, you know, speed, you know, I was gonna, you know, drivability. You know, yeah. I mean, that was. Um, so that was my concern. Am I still mm-hmm. gonna be able to drive this car like I normally drive it? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, no, <laughs> it, 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 it lost. But that. you could hit the three wheel it, it motion. But yeah, you hit down. You back then it was cruising was a big deal, right? Yeah. Cruising McHenry, McHenry and Modesto or Main Street in, in Merced. And man, you're cruising down Main Street, and you got back then it was bumper to bumper cruising, right? I mean, people yeah. ever you pull up, you know, these somebody pulls up next to you, and they're hitting their switches at a stop, and so all of a sudden you hit yours. <laughs> man, you want to hear see some <laughs> eyes wide open and people tripping out. Man, you got Porsche with hydros, yeah. And even too, we we got it to the point where it was hopping too. I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. But um, so I I, I enter, continue entering into car shows, and my goal was to uh, go to the Las Vegas Super Show, which is the the big, the biggest show back back in those days. And I did one 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 that show at the same time. Lowrider Magazine heard about my car and got a hold of me. Is that when you had started your own club though? By now. Yes, I, I started my own club, my own club, Players Car Club. You know, that was a... Uh, was that also with a Z? No, 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 it was not. No, it was not. But um, I think there was actually there was a few, a couple car clubs before that, but that was actually the one I started. And that's because I, I wanted to do more for the club scene. I wanted to do something to, like, help raise money for, the, you know, for me and my friends and try to do more as you can see i'm big in events and raising yeah. money and this and that so <laughs> as your I've wife been, rolls her eyes been, i didn't roll them i disagreed <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agreeing matter like i've yeah, been yeah. doing that for, for well, sure. all my life i guess back in school but um well but your family's kind of that way though your family's really involved people so it's yeah. kind of part from what i've got yeah, my, 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 my parents my parents are really involved with the portuguese community and, yeah. and, and the the celebrations they do the holy ghost celebrations and, and so mm. forth so yeah um so anyway so once i won the las vegas super show made you know, made Lowrider magazine and they did a whole story and did a photo shoot in Atwater. Um, it was time to to give up that, you know, part of the, my life with the, with the Porsche. And so I started converting it to my original dream, which is the poster that was all exactly what was on my car, my, my wall, which was a 930 slant nose. Yeah. So then it was to, it was to, they had like, I had to get to a shop in, um, a shop in Atwater, and they chopped the whole thing off. Got, of course, got all the hydraulics off, all that stuff off, and you know, slanted the nose. I mean, it was crazy. If you ever just, if you ever Google the old, I'm not sure what year that was, but it was a 930 slant nose. Sorry, and it was it. It went from a blue to a beautiful red, and then before it was done, shit started happening. Yeah, that's kind of the course of. People. Then, then that's. <laughs> If you read my book, then things start going really bad. Yes, yeah. of course. And if you want more on where things went from there with the uh, Porsche saga, as we we yeah. could call it, uh, you definitely have to get Carlos's book, Knocking Doors Down, available at KDD right there, Media yeah, yeah. Company. Or you can go to Amazon, get the uh, hardback, paperback, and ebook there on Amazon by searching under the books for uh, Knocking Doors Down. 
And so, of course, you know, kind of picking up from there, and as the book does, it takes through your period of, uh, of addiction, your struggles, and then getting into sobriety. And now let's jump forward to what the hell motivated you to just decide, I'm going to go into talk to Mike David at David's Racing in Modesto, let alone to pursue you know yeah. NASCAR race because you know and people that hear 35 which is a great thing and and why the knocking doors down title just it plays so perfectly into everything we're trying to convey with people is most people would go hey eh, you're crazy or it's a waste of time and no for you it was a necessity yeah so so this when I get when I got back from college when I came back from college that was the early 90s Right. And yeah. so the story I just told you guys about the Porsche and the car shows and all that was the early 90s. And so from, I don't know, was it 93 or so to uh, 2007, it was just my life on drugs, you know, from going, you know, being the worst, locking myself in the house for, for a full year to binging back and forth over all those years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, numerous arrests, numerous drug rehabs, uh, mar- you know, lost a couple marriages. You know, two kids I spent no time with. I mean, just a lot of stories in those 13 years that the book talks about and my struggles and my my desire to want to be clean and stay clean because I would get clean. I would get clean for a period of time and just fall right back. And, and, And every single time I would get clean, I swear to God, to this day, I can say this with all honesty, man. I told myself it would be the last time. Yeah. You know, last time. And, yeah. and, and so I, so when I went, to, when I went to drug rehabs, I gave it my hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. I was there focused learning. Um, and then I, I, I come back home and I'll be clean for a month, six months. I mean, it was just a different periods of time and I just go right back to it. And I just, it's just, was it kept. just like out of boredom or you just number one reasons, boredom, boredom. Yeah. Number one reasons, boredom. And I was, I was the, I was the expert at making excuses. Sure. Uh, you know, and yeah, so yeah. a little argument with my little or big, either way with my, with, let's say my dad, right? Mm-hmm. The company, anything mm-hmm. to do with the company, I would like storm out of there and like, oh, fuck this shit, you know? And, and I would take off and go find me some cocaine. Yeah. You yeah. know, or, or a mm-hmm. fight with the wife, <laughs> argument with right. the wife, you know? But, you know, it's, it was just all bullshit. It, yeah. was, just, it was just excuses, you know, reasoning, reasons at the time, at the time, I thought it was legitimate reasons, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, this is bullshit. He's not fair. This is uh, this is not fair. Whatever, you know. And I would go do it, and uh, and I think most of the time, I probably told myself, I'll just do it this tonight, or I'll just yeah. do it this weekend. Yeah, no, that was the, that was my favorite. Was just do it this weekend, <laughs> and um, and I I mean, I, well, there's 13 years. I lied to myself during this whole 13 years, even though I knew better than that. Like after a while you think, especially when you've been clean for a long time, you say you have six months clean. You're like, man, I can just buy me a small little bag, do it. Cause yeah. I'm strong now. I, I can, I can handle this. I'm tougher than the drug. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it just, it always carried on. That never worked. Right. Small bag. Well, my the goal, last line my, is the worst line. My, my, my go from <laughs> one weekend and then I might be okay. Then the next, but eventually, yeah, yeah. It, it just said screw it. And then as soon as you, and as soon as you start having a few days underneath your belt, and, and then you have a week, this and that. After a while, then it's like you know what? Because I was someone, I was someone when I was using. I didn't want to be. I couldn't go to work. You know, I right. couldn't. I couldn't be home trying to and, and be lying to my wife and trying to hide it from my wife because mm-hmm. I was like, you know me, man. I'm all. On or off, yeah. And so <laughs> you think I'm hyper now? You think I have high energy now? Picture yeah. of me loaded up on cocaine, and and so <laughs> I just didn't. I just didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. You know, some people you can do a little bit and hide it, and you know, to me, it's like, no, nah, I want to party. I want to call kinds of people over. I want to have a yeah. good time. I don't want to be doing it. And like, if I can't be obvious or I can't have fun with it, then why am I doing it? Yeah, it's that. It's that very common thread, and I can relate. Is um, of course, in all addicts, we are liars. Our addiction does make us a liar, and we lie to no one more than ourselves. And I know for me, it was because you know everybody in this room has drank with me, and most of the times I was pretty reasonable. And then lots of the times it's like probably people going, "Oh fuck, that guy needs some help," you know. And and it was the same thing. I'll be fine. I can sit here and have one gin and tonic you know 12 later yeah. well let's let's go come on dude it's 4 a.m i know <laughs> uh and it just is and it's a it's a, such a part of that yeah so it was yeah it's addiction right yeah and so i was full 
you know, full blown addict. And so those, um, so I'm cruising through those 13 years. And when finally the night happened, I call yeah. it the night. It's one of the chapters in my book. When the night happened, um, the next morning I said, okay, I got I got to change. I got I, this has to stop. I, I, I cannot do drugs ever again. And, uh, but I, of course, probably said that a thousand times prior to that, right? So I started thinking to myself, okay, well, what the, what's the number one reason why I'm doing drugs? And Mikey, like you just said, boredom, right? Mm -hmm. So boredom is the number one. I knew that, okay? I knew that. Work, you know, I'm great at my job. Companies, I, you know, I grew the company. Even though those 13 years I'm, I'm binging, I would, you know, I would get clean, go to work, you know, elevate the company to the new level. Then I would take off binge and my father would have to come in or my brother would come in and try to take care of the company and try to pick up where I left off. And I'd come back and then grow the company again. I, I saw the company was continuing to grow and being successful, but it wasn't enough, right? Because if it was enough, then I wouldn't be going back to drugs, right? It, yeah. it, would, it would give me enough purpose, enough, you know, no purpose, no reason yeah. to, to stay clean every day. Well, it wasn't happening. And so I said, okay, well, I know work's not enough. And then I had two, you know, great wives. You know, I got married twice. I divorced twice. So they're good women. Mm -hmm. You know, good. You know, I, had two, I had two daughters, one from each. And uh, great children. I mean, th that should have been enough. Right. But it wasn't, right? Because I, I binged. I binged uh, soon after I got married with both. So the marriage wasn't enough. The kids weren't enough, even though I know it should be enough. And I should be, an a you know, I'm a, I know I'm an asshole. And most people are like, wow, you're an asshole. Your kids weren't enough to keep you clean. Well, it is what it is, man. It, I, I'm not saying I'm a, I, I, would, I would die for my kids, but for some reason it wasn't working. Like it wasn't working. And I had, I, I had to find something that made me stay clean so I can be with my kids, that I can, I can be a better husband and, and be with my, be a better, boss at, at the company or whatever so so i quickly uh enrolled in college i got i went to join merced college <laughs> became a college student uh why uh well because i my <gasps> college years i left a year and a half into it right and, uh, so i never got my degree in college so i thought i oh, may i'll just finish up finish up and get my my degree plus i started thinking okay what else can i do in college to keep me active and and so i i joined the water polo team and then I also what else? I didn't I did? know you played water polo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and then uh, I I joined the jazz. There, there was a, a jazz band. There I guess was you a, played trumpet, right? Trumpet. I played trumpet. My, my dad was big in the Portuguese community. He got us playing in the Portuguese marching band. Mm -hmm. So I grew up playing the trumpet. So I was like, ah, oh, let's try that. So so I'm in college, going to college classes. I actually took some business classes, which is kind of funny. I'm I'm taking care of a million dollar company but, I'm over <laughs> but uh either way i went to business business classes um water polo and uh trumpet so i did that for a semester but i started getting bored of that too i was like oh, i'm getting bored and that's when i met asia during that time sort of I right met you just before that just before yeah, that yeah. yeah so there's a there's 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 a story with that too but um so Asia's watching all that right <laughs> you're, you're seeing this happening and and so forth and she knows why she knew a little bit about my past right about what was going on a but bit not I that in depth of it yeah just kind of like a little bit surface conversations yeah so so uh i start, started seeing myself getting bored with the college things like okay this is not gonna last yeah. you know it's not gonna last right so i'm what three months clean or whatever it was four months clean um so yeah because that was september 2006 was the last time i used september 2006 so by then it was like january 2007 and i'm like Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna something. I I just can tell. I I had to go do something diff more different, bigger, something. Uh, and so then that's when I something came to my mind. I was like, you know what? One of the things that I loved doing when I was young was going fast. I loved I loved ra you know racing my Porsche down the street, around the corner. You know, uh, pulling up next to people and racing them. I, like it was. I knew that I loved to go fast. I loved to race. And and I always thought to myself when I was a little kid, oh, I'll be a great racer. But never thought that would be reality because first you know we never had money growing up so that right. wasn't an option plus i all my friends that i grew up in, with school had no one i knew zero people that raced um never went to a racetrack never watched racing on tv even um it still baffles me that it's like i'm gonna do that because for me you know if i if if i was in the situation hey carlos guess what i'm joining your team i just won the lotto you know because yeah. i've watched it all my life that still baffles me it's like never watched it on tv never went 
Yeah, but no yeah, idea. But I thought I'd still be good at it though. Like even though I never, I knew I wanted to go. Fa I knew I I wasn't afraid to go fast. I knew that I can handle a car because I mean I used to literally try to you know take my car around corners and try to you know I wasn't I wasn't I thought I can handle driving a car any mm -hmm. type of car so and so the racetrack's kind of the place to do it right, right? exactly yeah. Yeah. finally finally do it somewhere where I'm supposed to be doing it you <laughs> and know? push it to the limits you're yeah. not you're not and that's the thing with the car you have to drive it at its edge yeah yeah and so then of course if you you know. If you live the drug life like I did, and like most people do, you know, it, you're always living on the edge a little bit, and yeah. you're always. I mean, to me, when I was drugging, I was, I would leave my house looking for, I hate to say, it, trouble. You know, mm -hmm. I, I would leave the house. Sometimes I, you know, I hate to say it, I was, I would hope a car, or a cop car, or a cop would see me and 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 chase me. You know, I mean, that was kind of like my oh, crazy thing. <laughs> you know, but Mike, you know, I see you, a cop, I'm like, shit, shit. But Mike, <laughs> let me tell you, after, after you get arrested a couple of times, you stop thinking that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was all, that's my thoughts before I got caught. Those yeah. handcuffs hurt like a They're motherfucker. They're not fun. <laughs> They're not fun. Trust so, me. so, um, so yeah, so I just thought to myself, you know what? I, I, I think racing might be the answer. And so I showed up to Modesto Racing David uh, Products and talked to um, a gentleman named Mike David, and um, he asked me what kind of racing I wanted to do. I told him uh, something like NASCAR, and um, he told me a little bit about it, talked to me a little about the different levels, and explained to me you know, that you know, I would be racing the local level, which is called was called the Wellen uh, Series at the time. And, um, and yeah, and he introduced me to somebody that had a, an old race car for sale, and I purposely bought something really old because yeah. I knew that I was probably not good. <laughs> well, well, plus then back then I didn't have a lot of money. You know, I didn't have much money, but it was still I knew that I was probably going to wreck it, or, or <laughs> I needed something I could, uh, you know, bang up a little bit. How uh, quickly can we replace the fenders and yeah, the quarter yeah. panel? <laughs> the so, so yeah, so I bought a race car, showed up there to in my. Um, I took a uh, a tractor trailer, a flatbed tractor trailer, uh -huh. and loaded up the race car and. Uh, so up to the actually I, I took it back to my company took it to my uh, my shop there and um called a couple of my friends and asked them if they want to go racing with me and uh here we are what track was the first track you went in, in uh madera, madera speedway it's the closest, madera? closest racetrack uh yeah. back then stockton 99 which is pretty close to us as well but they uh they were not open at the time it was uh the closest track was madera speedway it's a third mile yeah. and then uh it's about track. 45 minutes away and also there was the Altamont, which I'm not sure if the Altamont opened up the next year or, or if it was that year or not, but the Altamont, which is closed is closed now. No, it was that year too. I remember. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was a, that's a really fun track as well. Yeah, but it was. it was yeah, Madera Speedway. Um called my friends up. My friend said, Man, you're crazy for doing this, but uh, they knew they knew why I was doing it and they were hundred percent supportive. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So e e at this point too, people you don't realize if you if you simply just watch it on TV, you not have been around it. You don't know anything about the setup. That you know, I always love the line from Days of Thunder. There's nothing stock about a stock car. Uh, you know, to set up a car, there's so many different things. You know, you got your sway bars, your track bars. You got your, you know, stuff that you do with, you know, the 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 toe on the t on the front end of what you're doing to increase the you know steering and handling and all this stuff. So you guys show up there at this track. And knowing the guys that worked with you, I believe they didn't have any background either, right? Yeah, no, nobody had no idea. And I can honestly say that when I when I went to go buy a race car, I thought it was just going to be a steering wheel and a gas pedal. That's and still what I think, is it not? I, 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 <laughs> thought, I, thought, I thought that I had no idea about setups, like everything that, that Jason just talked about, how technical everything is and how everything precise it needs to be to be fast. Mm -hmm. And then once you go out there, I mean, it, you're talking tenths of a second being from first to last, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy. And so we showed up there with no idea at all. We we took to a, we took to the track your basic tools, some mm -hmm. screwdrivers, some some wrenches, some whatever. <laughs> you know, we had no tools. Somebody we, had some zip ties. We, we had no no hell, hell yeah, <laughs> zip ties and duct tape, man. We were ready to rock and roll, man. And uh we had absolutely no idea. And we just started learning. Like I you know, my guy my friend Joe Cordero, he's he did know motors because he were he was a mechanic for mm -hmm. a dealership, so he knew motors. And then uh, another friend of mine, Frank Lucas, he um, he's just mechanically inclined, like he knows mechanics and stuff. He yeah. builds stuff, so he was there as well to help us out. Um, Brian Escobar, he went there. He was my spotter. Um, who else? I don't know. They had one guy 
just to clean. I mean, it was, it was that. So we went there and pulled onto the track, and I, I swear to God, the first corner spun out. You know, uh-huh. and you know, I, okay, I can do this again. Went out there, and spun out. And I thought I was thinking I was spinning out because I just wasn't giving enough, you know, wheel input or the, too much wheel input. It was just because I was going too fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I just thought to myself, more, more gas. The faster you're going to be, the better mm-hmm. you're going to be. And, and I was, of course, trying to show off to everybody. I was like, look how fast I can be. And so I'll go into the corner really fast thinking that was going to, but it wasn't working. And so, and then finally, when I made the corner, I come out, I used to get on the gas so much, I used to freaking get loose and hit the wall. Bam. You know? And, and so took a, it took a while. It took a while to, 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 actually, I didn't figure it out. To be honest, I didn't figure it out myself. I had to have other teams finally come up to me and say, Carlos, you're doing this all wrong. And yeah. started talking to my guys about stagger and sway bar and springs and, uh, started, and camber started and talking everything. to me about, about slowing down around the corners and, and, and the angle that you go in and, and, you know, and, and, you know, making sure you're hitting the apex right and, these things and so oh, that's that is when we finally started learning racing mm-hmm. and uh, that's when it started becoming fun and um yeah and that's when we Dumb. finally got you know thank god thank god that happened because race day was you know this was january and mm-hmm. first race was in march and so uh when race day came i felt i was ready and how did you do with the first race? I blew it big time. <laughs> I, I blew it big time. It was I was such a I was such a wreck that they black flagged me, and uh, which who who doesn't know what that means means basically get your get your ass off the track because you you are you are causing a mess. And that's not permanently right. That's just for the one race. Just, just that one. Just gotcha. that one race. Just mm-hmm. that one race. But it's embarrassing, man. When you go out there, when you're out there and you're spinning out every lap. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you take a green, you take the, you know the green, and you go and you and you and you spin out by yourself. Nobody's around you. Yeah, and you're spinning out. It's a. I'm a white. Love you, darling. Yeah, but you, uh, you know what? That's your rock. But, <laughs> but but she knows where we went, where we were, and where we are now. Yeah, and she, yeah. She, for we sure. can laugh about it for because sure. it, it, it. Hey, buddy, I watched you a lot too. It wasn't the first couple of years, but it, I watched too. It I, was embarrassing. It was straight out embarrassing, and it was an embarrassing thing for me. It was embarrassing for the team. And and now but you guys were having fun. No, though, too. well, no, not right there in the beginning. No, when you're spinning out. Uh, and, and I think I can show you a picture where you have half of a car left, and no, you guys that, have that, that big was, ass smiles on your I'll, faces. <laughs> but before that day, before that day, I got I got black flag for for spinning out. I think the next race, I broke the car. Like you can, I used I used to have a problem coming out of the corners, and I used to be on the throttle so much, and my back end used to hit the wall so bad that my whole rear end would like shift over, you know? And, um, and so I don't know how many black flags I had. It's probably a good few and, you know, and the wrecks and, and, um, you know, just doing things that stopped me from finishing a race. When we finally did take a checkered flag, it was so exciting. So exciting. I'm talking about, we had no fenders. We had no no door panels. <laughs> we absolutely had nothing. But you should see this picture we have with my my, my team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's the one Asia's talking about. Asia, get us a copy so we can so people can see this on the yeah. social media. I was actually thinking, well, but uh, kudos to you for sticking with it. I mean, getting black flagged multiple times, spend all that shit like that could be really discouraging. To where you just say, you know what, fuck this, I'm done with yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuck yeah. with it, so good. That's and, awesome. And, and they kept allowing me back to the track, which is kind yeah. of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting kicked out of a bar. It's but, like, but it, back at school. When yeah. you when you get it, or even some sometimes I think you know some people may have would just say, oh, screw this. Because, man, I mean, you spin out, you start getting booed. Yeah. I mean, you get booed. Fans will boo you off, you know, and it's like, oh, man, am I, am I cut off for this? Can I really do this? But there is not one time ever I told myself I wasn't going to continue. Not one, one not one single time. And so I was, I'm just so happy my friends stuck with me, and we got that first checkered flag, got that first picture. And then um, and things just, like, things just got better from there. Because once you once – you, learn how to do like once you get there and you do it once then you start learning yeah. how to do it again and again and again and so it, it just became easier and easier as time went by it takes me back to two things a couple episodes uh, back i think it was an intro for david siegel we talked about the port- importance of failure in life oh, yeah. in general towards success and yeah. a lot of people and how we can be so hard on ourselves. and the other thing that it helps me is to think about it for people going through recovery is 
we have to really humble ourselves. You know, I think back about like Brandon Novak talking about when he got clean. Here's a guy on Viva La Bam and Jackass, the movies, MTV. He became a waiter just after getting clean. And for you, yeah. the humbling experience was this thing where it's like, I'm this guy that's pushed all these limits and it's like, Dishwasher this fucking car is kicking my ass, <laughs> but, I, but I'm, you're not going to let it. It's humbling. Right. No, for sure. And um, I mean, you really think about it. Well, what, what um, I was pretty much like, why not? Or, or, or I have to, I, I had that attitude where I knew I know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, so what can be worse than that or 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 you know, I don't know, it was just something that I something told me there's no way in the world I'm going to quit and I'm going to keep doing it. And uh I think down deep in, d- deep down inside, I knew I'll eventually get it. I mean, I was always an athlete growing up. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about mechanics or or you know, setting up cars and so forth, but just being a uh, being an athlete means I love competition. I love, I love winning. I love doing well. I love, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that drives me. And so I, I, um, I just kept at it. And, uh, a couple of years later, I won my first race and which was, was this whole blast as well. Yeah. And here I'm at, still, still at it. Yeah, I know. I remember, I, I don't recall if, uh, it went out on social media where I read it. I remember congrats on the first one, sending you a text because it was cool because, and it is, it's, it's for anybody out there that's really listening or hearing Carlos's story is when uh, you enter your sobriety or whatever your adversity is, is don't give up. You are going to have setbacks and it's all a part of those necessarily necessary failures in the learning process. Right. You know? And I also think one of the messages too, that I, I hope that uh, people, people get from, from this conversation we're having, but also from my book too, is if you want, if you want change, long, uh, long lasting change, Sometimes you have to do something against what other people might think yeah. or, or, you know, something you might be afraid of, or you just have to figure it out yourself. I, I got a lot of people that come to me over the years and say, Carlos, you know, I got a friend that's, you know, addicted to drugs or a kid that's addicted to drugs or whatever. You got any advice or what can I do? And I said, you know, you really can't do anything until that person's ready. Yeah. Because when that, once that, once that person's ready and if that person's truly ready, then they're gonna find what they need for themselves. Cause everybody's different. They're gonna find out what they need for themselves to be clean. You know, some people, some people, people need to go to the 12 step program. That's what they need to do every day. Hey, I applaud them. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I can never do that. I tried it. I, I, you know, some you know people told me I need to go get a sponsor and this and that. Just wasn't wasn't my thing. You know, um, my thing was racing and. Uh, I can't say it was only racing because soon a, soon after I started racing, right when I started racing, is when you know I created the brand the brand fifty one fifty and and started my foundation. So I think all three together has helped me uh, stay clean all over all these years and at the same time help people along the way. Yeah, well, and that's what it thing is about is a purposeful life. Uh, Asia, what was it like for you then coming into Carlos's life right around the time because you know I mean well you guys have been together but you just had your 10th anniversary or is it 11th uh 9th 9th wedding but I met him in 2006 so I met him before the night um but with when it came to racing he was like hey I think I'm gonna buy a race car I want to start racing and I'm like okay (laughs) and then like not too long later he's like hey I bought a race car I'm like whoa (laughs) someone's actually doing what they're gonna say they're gonna do (laughs) and it just kind of went from there was that new for a man to tell you something and then them actually do it because we're pretty full of shit Uh, yeah I think so like he's been a person that I've met I told about four girls I was buying a race car (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just he's always been that person that when he says he's gonna do something he's gonna do it yeah how uh no matter how crazy it may be he's gonna do it uh well we're sitting right here in this studio that (laughs) now now when i say that she's all great now what (laughs) hey babe come here i got an idea oh shit now what (laughs) well correct me if i'm wrong didn't you guys go skydiving like on your second date or first date i think it was the first time i remember hearing that you were just but talking about it the I fucking t- next day yeah. skydiving yeah no we were out to dinner with friends and i was like oh yeah no skydiving that's crazy i can yeah. sit on my couch watching someone do it and it sure. gives me a thrill he's like cool let's go then <laughs> 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 we were but um the first weekend that i was here he took me on the hayabusa and we were going 185 and i was on the back oh shit. so oh. She, she she liked to go fast too yeah. though so it's uh, yeah i'm aware of this <laughs> <laughs> so she she likes some racing she's um she's been there like uh, all the races pretty much I yeah think. i think that there 
I missed Want Anyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the ones I won. Yes, she was there. But um, we we grew up. In fact, I think we even went to uh, your mom. Your took your mom skydiving Yeah, my too, mom went right? skydiving. Yeah. She didn't bring her ID like I told her to. So she had to use She's mine. So the whole think. video, they're crazy. like, go, Asia, go. <laughs> my grandma's friend just <laughs> went skydiving. She's uh, 87, 88. She went skydiving for her birthday. And I'm just, I personally... I don't see the point of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, but if that's something somebody wants to do to get a thrill, like more power to you, but fuck, I could never do that. I think it's necessary. Look at that. We got the picture here that the uh, showing us of the car just torn the hell apart. <laughs> oh shit. That's too awesome. So of course in, oh, in the book damn. also, Carlos, you do touch on the importance <laughs> of the, the 5150, the number, the brand and everything else. And of course the background on that, which, which people, um, can go and find the background of it and where that really came to your head. But, um, you know, what is it for, for you guys, uh, you, you know, Asia, yourself, and and what, not just 5150, the, the foundation, and what it means for you? Because people don't realize that the first opportunity to do charity came about because of the racing. You, you, you asking her or you asking me? Well, we'll start with you. Um, so, yeah, so if you um, get a chance to pick up the book and, and read the chapter called The Night, it talks about you know where when the uh, the thought came to me of um, creating the brand 5150, and um, and so once I created the brand 5150, um, that you know that gave me you know that gave me the reason or the gave me the answer I needed for a number for my car right number 51, mm -hmm. and then also the logo that you see and all the different products that you buy uh, that are 5150, but also. Uh, once we show up to the racetrack, we were approached by Valley Children's Hospital and uh, our race team raised more money than any other race team. And so we donated that money and I, I saw an opportunity there to utilize team, back then we were called Team 5150, right? It was Carlos Vieira Racing Team 5150. So I looked at, you know, looked at the opportunity to use Team 5150 to raise money by doing different fundraisers and donating it to different organizations. Um, so we did that at first, and then soon after that, we decided to launch our own campaign called Race for Autism. And so that was in 2009. Uh, we raced, I, I raced that year almost, I think it was 30, what, 35, 36 races? crazy. <laughs> I raced almost every weekend. Yeah. I decked out my car with, with puzzle pieces, and we were known as you know Team 5150, the team that raises money to help families with autism. So that's when I decided to start my nonprofit, the Carlos Vieira Foundation, and, um, so yeah, here we are years later with th we got three campaigns now, uh, race for autism, race to be drug free and race to end the stigma. Yeah, which we spoke about heavily last month during mental health awareness month. Uh, Asia, what is it that you know for you that it's meant in doing this uh, as part of it? You, you know, you are a little bit uh, you're kind of a more a take take a back in that uh, you're not a spotlight kind of person, yeah, but no. you are an incredibly hardworking person, such an integral part of the foundation and what what is it meant to you? That I, this came about you know for me it's just kind of been life you know what i mean like i take things we've always talked about just taking things one day at a time so for me it's just always just been one step after the other and it's grown to what it is i think after reading the book too it has a different meaning as well just yeah. knowing like that true meaning as to where it came from yeah so, so yeah so a couple of things that asia just mentioned so first of all she's being really humble because yes, i'm telling you is. E every time I started something, she she has been a huge part of getting it off the ground. You know what I'm saying? So, no matter if it's it was uh, you know the foundation, for example, the my the apparel company, the 5150 apparel company, um, you know the the vodka, or it could be the podcast, or it could be uh, whatever. I mean, yeah. any time I start something, she is right there to help me get it off the ground. And when once once it's going smoothly, we could, we you know, kind of try it get other people to take over and, and, and go from there. But uh, she's being really, really humble about that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say something else, too, but then I, said I caught up on that. So, <laughs> uh, Mikey, you got anything else? I want to hear what you were going to say. Well, <laughs> she, well, well, she was saying something else, though. And I, well, the 5150. Oh, the meaning behind the it. The meaning like behind now it. Now that I know the true story. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gonna yeah, yeah I was going to say that because when the, when once again the the chapter called the night um read that chapter it's fucking heavy yeah it's, it's so and, and and other stories too my wife Asia, god bless her she during my whole years of you know when i first met her let's go back here to the 
when we first met her and she came to go come see me, uh, I picked her up at the airport. We're, we're driving back. We stopped at Cattleman's, uh, Cattleman's Restaurant there in, uh, was it Pleasanton? Living, Livermore, Livermore, Pleasanton. Livermore, whatever. Yeah. So one thing I didn't mention earlier, one of the changes that I decided to do in September of 2006 when I said after that night happened, I said, you know what? For me to make sure that I am thinking straight, doing and that I'm going to stay clean, I promised myself I'm going to go one year with no 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 substance at all. And so back then I was a smoker, mm-hmm, right. you know, I was a drinker, right? So I gave I told my, one year I'm going to do no drinking, I'm going to do no smoking, and of course no drugs. So right. it was complete cleanliness, clean, clean, clean. So man, I knew I was gonna be bored as hell, right? So <laughs> sure. Anyway, so that's what. So then you guys know the rest of the story, right? But uh, anyway, so I picked up her at the airport. We're driving back, and we stopped at Kettleman's, and so we're there. And first thing I said when she sat down, because we actually sat, I, I think at the bar area, right? Yeah, like Just the high had, top. Because all kind of in that same yeah. area, right? And so I said, "Babe, I gotta tell something. I gotta tell you something." She's like, I think now. I was I, like, "Dear Lord, please don't tell me you're married." <laughs> and I, said, I said, "Hey, I'm not. I don't drink." You know, uh, and she just kind of said, oh, okay. And it was kind of continued on. I thought for sure she might ask me about, you know, hey, how long have you been, I've been sure, drinking? Sure. What's that about? Blah, blah. She just blew right past that and then moved on. And so over all these years, she never really dug into any of my past. You know, I told her, you know, she knew that I had a uh, heavy drug, you know, past and, and yeah. I was addicted and she knew I lost my, she knew about a lot, of, a lot of the stuff, but not the stories. And so this book talks a lot of stories that, she never heard of and so she you know i told her i was writing this book and you know i asked her if she wanted me to kind of share some of the what it was going to be about she said you know what i don't need to know anything you know if there's something you need to do you, you know for yourself go ahead i'm good and she just let me do it and uh that that was pretty pretty cool because i think a lot of some people would be like oh is that, how is this going to embarrass me or how is this going to affect yeah. our relationship and this and that but she was 100 percent supportive of that and uh the story about the night, the the chapter, the part about the night, no one knew. No, I, I, not one soul no, knows the true reasons of all of this. How did I, or why did I create all this? Everything uh-huh. we've been talking about today, and you know why did I start racing and why did I create the things I did was because of that night, and not even my wife or not even no one knew. And so um, I just want to give, say I love you. Thank you for that. <laughs> you know you. it's. It's awesome that she's done that over the years for me. Yeah. Hey, you, you, you lucked out there, my friend. You lucked out, I got to say. Well, Mr. Naraki, you got anything else? Yes, one Mr. more VR. thing. Go for it. You ever uh, still want to race cars when you see you at a red light? Just out and about <laughs> off the track? You ever get the old urge when so, you were younger? So Asia was just talking about my Hayabusa. I own a Hayabusa. I own a Harley. I own a, a you know fairly new turbo Porsche. I mean, yeah. it's... Um, <laughs> And honestly, uh, I never really r- ride the bikes anymore. Um, my Porsche is, is parked there. I don't. Re- use you know it. that I, breaks my fucking I, heart. I don't. Right? I don't use it a lot. <laughs> Not because I don't love bikes. I don't yeah. love the Porsche. But that my thrill. What I you know is at the track now. I I take care of that urge to go yeah. fast and mm-hmm. and to you know the competition and all that. I, I do it. I do it at the track. The and weekends so, that we do have free now to ride the bikes and stuff like that. Not anymore. We're at the track. <laughs> well, so yeah, that, that. That, that too. But it's. Um, I don't. Know, I. I think. I think more. I'm more now. I got my F two fifty that I love cruising around. I'm yeah. cruising around in. Um, the speeds kind of. But now uh, he's still gotten his speed t- speeding tickets here and there. Well, in the past. I've been I've been a lot, but yeah, I used yeah. to I used to file my speeding tickets. And, 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 and I used to file. I swear to God, I, I used to file them. It, it was so oh, it was so bad. But uh, now thinking about that Porsche, baby, oh, we gotta dust that thing off. It's been a I couple know. months. Yeah, was, you know. would you do it at least for me, <laughs> please? Uh, yeah, because I was gonna say, you know, you did have that Audi and that had that Lambo engine in that. So that I know one, that I love that car. I know that thing had some get up and go. I do recall. Yeah. I do. But recall. I think I think my you know, I don't drive. You know, you're joking around a little bit, but my speed on the freeways is not like it used to be, right? Remember, I used to. No, go- you said that you did that. You never did that with me, and I thank the Lord because I would not be able to stay in that car yeah, <laughs> I got, I'd be like I got cars I got some yeah cool. sorry about that yeah, it was yeah. probably it was before her but so yeah, you leave I got, it on the track you leave it on the yeah. track yeah okay <laughs> I, I, I think I think Mikey I think Mikey's an urge to go racing or something with me. What, what are you trying to say? As here, long Mikey? as you're driving, I, you, I, I, I'm not an aggressive if driver. If you got him in that Porsche, he would be leaving some stains okay. in his shorts, my friend. I'm an aggressive driver to an extent where like 
I lived in Los Angeles at one point. You can't be you can. a yeah, wuss no. driver there. You have to be aggressive in that. So I'm aggressive in that sense. But when I'm like on a freeway by myself like and it's rage. an open. Oh, yeah. I have gnarly right? road rage for sure. I'm not denying that. <laughs> I have crazy road rage. I will scream at the top of my lungs. I know that, all, that old lady that we went by the other day. She oh, was frightened. She had it coming. I didn't tell her to fucking pull in front of me at 45. <laughs> it's not my problem. Get the hell out of the way. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, Carlos, I would like you to be able to you know wrap it up for us is just the importance of maybe you know and the encouragement to anyone out there uh especially you know and, and i think it could translate to someone of any kind of trauma and addiction the importance of of something that is maybe outwardly selfish but it's intern it's internal and not internally it's intrinsically become something that has become so selfless for you the racing's really brought so many opportunities that it started as simple as going out, doing it, not giving up. Had you have given up, there would have never been the day where the children's hospital came about and said, hey, we want to raise money. And then once you saw money being raised, it's like, we can do this all the time. So what kind of words of encouragement can you lend to people to find something purposeful that is for well, them and there it, is nothing wrong with that? Yeah, I, well, I think it's first is be honest with yourself. You, you, you really have to be honest with yourself and, and, and not try to pretend that you're something that you're not. You know, you have to... You have to look deep down inside and say, what am I good at? What am I not good at? You know, what's true, what's not true? And be okay with that. Be okay with who you are. Find out the things that you need you need to work on. You know, find your weaknesses and, and, and try to find things that can keep you focused and keep you driven. And, um, you know, I'm someone, I'm something, I'm very ambitious. I know that I have to continue to grow and, and do something and, and see and, and make change and and so I I don't try to pretend different. So every day I wake up and what more can I do and more what can I do and that's why like I said, God bless Asia because she's perfect for me because she just kind of goes along with that you know <laughs> yeah. and she she don't fight it because she understands it and uh, at the end it makes me a, I'm better for it yeah. you know what I'm saying I'm better for it because I'm around and the most important thing to me and one of the things I realized you know, 14 years ago, I've been 14 years clean now, is that uh, the best thing I can do for all the people that love me, that are around me, is for me to be around. So for being around, that means I have to go racing, even though some people don't like me to go race. Being around means that I have to um, do do all, you know, start new companies or, or donate my time for the foundation or whatever, whatever it is. It's what I have to do. And if you love me, you support me. If you don't, well then, I rather, you know, it's best you stop be around because this is what I need to do to stay clean, and this is what I'm going to continue to do. Yeah. Well, thank you, Miss Asia, for coming in. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Carlos, my brother. Brother man, what's up? Thank you very much right, for sharing. Yeah. And, of course, Thanks. everybody, don't forget, you can get the book Knocking Doors Down at kddmediacompany.com or go to Amazon, get the paperback, get the hardcover, or the ebook there as well. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. Well, thank you again to uh, Carlos and Asia Vieira coming in, talking my favorite chapter of the book, Mikey, racing and how it saved my life. Because if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Get it done, <laughs> That's buddy. all that goes through my head with racing. I'm sorry. Uh, Will Ferrell ruined it for me. I know. You're not a big uh, auto sports guy, <laughs> but it, it is really insightful, and it's cool. Again, I, I really loved how Carlos spoke on how it was what worked for him despite who did or didn't support it. Sure. And also, you hear so much love between him and his wife and how much he adores her that any of the passions he's pursued, not only has she been supportive, but such 
such an integral, hardworking part of it. Sure, yeah. And it's definitely something we've seen firsthand, which I think is key for any type of relationship, a working relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, is that uh, maximum effort. And I know that, uh, you know, that's one of the pleasures about working for Carlos. Sometimes it's the challenge, but that he expects a maximum effort to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it can be frenetic and inspirational to to be in that kind of environment. That's what I'm saying, man. He has his eyes set on one prize and you just go for it. You know, that's a, and it's a good thing to be a part of that as us working for KDD. Like, so we're a part of that now. I love it. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, And headed your way, we got some uh, great episodes coming for you. We got uh, none other than Megan Leach. Megan. Megan. She's an awesome lady. You hear her story of a family background uh, of addiction and Mm -hmm. how she fell into opioid use. And that'll be the first week of August. That'll be the uh, that next week, actually, one week from today that comes out. And then, of course, Luke Wallet. Luke Wallet. Yes, Luke Wallet. (laughs) The following Thursday, uh, he has a background of opioid addiction, but his came about totally different circumstance. It related to his uh, thriving to become an NFL star and injuries. Wrong team, though, but yeah, NFL star, (laughs) yes. Yes, he wasn't going to be a Niner. He wasn't going to be a Niner, so I don't care about it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a great episode, great people, good stuff. He's a good man, and uh, so we're looking forward to hearing that because two very different uh, um, stories. The same addiction, though, of opioids, and it's uh, it's so frightening. Yeah, um, how spe- easily addictive it is and how off track your life can go like that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, we'll also speak with Chris Jensen, who uh, various addictions throughout his life comes mm-hmm. from a very strong family background of addiction, incredibly insightful issue because he is working in helping keep the youth off of drugs and alcohol. That's right. And, uh, you know, uh, just an amazing individual. It's another kind of reminds me of speaking with the Tony Hoffman of where there's a lot of deep information because he's using everything he went through and he's now such a resource for sobriety and a great guy so really looking forward to that then we finish out the month of july an amazing woman casey johnson oh yeah and uh casey johnson if you don't recognize the name she was at columbine high school and she was actually shot during the events that took place there. I get chills like when just hearing about that. I know. Yeah. And she is just phenomenal. We highly recommend you look her up. You can search Casey Johnson, Colin Bind. You'll find her website. Not only is she doing great inspirational work, but she's also doing awesome blogs that help with parenting and a lot of things that she's doing. And it's really insightful. And she's just such a sweet and thoughtful woman. And so we're so looking forward for you guys to being able to hear what she has to say about that experience and how she really overcame that and the anxiety she's had to deal with in becoming a parent when uh, shootings have happened at schools and about making sure her parent or her children continue to go to school and really keeping her anxieties at bay and not trying to pass that along to her kids. She is such a strong and incredible woman, as are all the guests that we speak with. So that is going to be awesome. Plus, uh, Matt Gannam coming your way. Yeah, wicked good interview. Wicked good interview. Wicked good. A Boston guy, and uh, (laughs) he's uh, really good stuff. I mean, talk about a Brandon Novak-like story at the brink. Uh, but turned his life around, an amazing father, helping others, actually running a treatment center now. So looking forward to that. And, of course, we'll uh, also have Amanda Webster coming up where uh, Mikey and I debate what song was she listening to, what band, when she was standing on the edge of a balcony Mm -hmm. in a hotel in uh, Canada and contemplating taking her life and how she's turned her life around. Yeah. And uh, her and I also share a love for professional wrestling. Yeah, so that you do. That we'll, you do. We'll talk with her about that. So we've got a lot of great guests coming your way. And thank you again, uh, everyone, for subscribing to the Knocking Doors Down podcast from Mikey and myself. We appreciate it so much. We're reaching peak numbers right now, and it just keeps going up and up. And we know you guys are spreading the word. So we've got nothing but love and appreciation for you from uh, from ourselves, the whole KDD Media Company team, as well as uh, 5150 Live the Madness and the Carlos Vieira Foundation, all the work and support you guys are doing. So thank you. Much love, people. Thank you so much. And on that note, hey, a positive day, a bright tomorrow. Keep knocking doors down.
This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com.